Well, we continue today in our series, uh, Summer in the Scripture series, focusing on the Psalms. And I was going to actually preach on Psalm 46, which is my favorite Psalm. You know, the be still and know that I am God's Psalm. But last Sunday's message, Pastor Jeff brought a message about worship. And it, it really inspired me, as often is the case when he preaches. And I thought, well, I want to preach a little bit more about worship. He referred to last week as sort of worship 101. And maybe this is worship 101B because it's some of the details a little bit about the worship experience, and it's from Psalm 150 that Michael read, uh, Michael read earlier. Go ahead and put that text up. I have that text on one of my slides. And when people try to diagram this psalm, or they try to outline this psalm, pretty universally they'll say something like, well, at first, the first three lines there, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, They'll say, well, that first movement is about where we praise God. And then the second movement, uh, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his, for his surpassing greatness. The outliners will say, well, that's why we worship God. But then most of them will say, and then there's a section in Psalm 150 that talks about how we worship God. And it's that section that I want to focus on most this morning where it says, praise him with sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with harp and lyre. And it goes on with some of the details. It actually names the instruments and some of the movements in a public worship gathering. Remember, Israel would come together and it would say, Israel, this is how you do this. Here's what you do. Here's who you do it with. Here's how you do it. Here's some of the elements of worship. But in the bottom line, this psalm says, just go crazy worshiping God because he went crazy loving you. Reading this text and I thought, you know what, I actually think, because I preached on Psalm 150 back in 2006. Back in 2006, here in this church, all I, th- all I saw in that psalm was, well, here are some of the instruments that are legit for Christian worship. So my conclusion and application was something like, so if you don't like drums, it's kind of a bummer because drums and more are allowed. I mean, that, those were some of the issues we were working through back in 2006. We're not working through those anymore, right? No worship wars going on here, right? Except maybe gently and peacefully over coffee. But I looked at it this year and I thought, well, there's so much more in Psalm 150. Why didn't I see this before? And I'm thinking, I actually saw what... I see today in Psalm 150, I saw it lived out. I saw it experienced when I was at our Chick conference on the prayer team a couple weeks ago. You've heard us mention Chick. Chick is our, every three years, our denomination has a national, international event for youth. And five, 6,000 people show up now at the University of Tennessee. It's been all over the place, but Tennessee's the only school that's big enough to handle it now. And we come together, and in ways that youth would understand it, with Styles Youth would appreciate and worship so loud it gives you a headache almost, but you know, it does good things for their hearts. Just about caves mine in, but it does good things for their hearts. We come together and we focus on students and we give them a chance to find Christ. It's really relevant for them. And I'm at this gathering and we have a thing called main stage every night where uh, we fly in speakers and some of the best known, uh, most excellent artists uh, in the Christian world, and they come. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to show you a little clip of something I experienced in the middle of a Christian worship gathering at our Chick National International Youth Conference. And I'm realizing when I saw that, I think I saw 
Psalm 150. It may not make sense at first, but stick with me. Watch this. Now you say, you're right, I don't understand that. Is that the kind of church we're in here, the great spirit, anything goes, just theologically all over the map? That's one way to look at that. Except when I was there, I realized, well, the context here was Christian worship. And the preamble to that dancing, the introduction was, we are a native people. That's a tribe that's represented from um, uh, up in Washington State. And Christ has come into our people. And then with the coming of Jesus and our understanding of Jesus, what they were saying was, we now understand what the ancient dance of, our, of the people that have gone before us, what they were searching for. And so now we can take that ancient dance and it's sort of fulfilled because our dance is part of our worship to Jesus. Now we understand what it was all kind of looking for and hoping for. And we are allowed to bring our cultural expression of excitement and worship of God to a Christian community on a Christian stage in Christian worship. And I thought, that's Psalm 150. All dressed up in ceremonial uh, garb and feathers and things that are sort of over the top for us. Dancing, we wouldn't dance like that here, although we could, we certainly could, and Christians and followers of Christ have and do in other contexts. But there's this wonderful expression, there's no holding back, and the chants are focused on Christ, and the people have a place in worship. I thought, that's Psalm 1. 50, where it says, praise the Lord. Cymbals, flutes, trumpets, drums, everything. Let it praise the Lord. Because here's the first point of Psalm 150 that I got this year that I thought I saw represented in that dance. And it's this. Psalm 150, among other things, is saying, everyone is welcome. When it comes to the worship of God, the seeking of God, the expression of appreciation and love for God, the doors are wide open. Everybody is welcome. How do I get that? Well, if you'll notice, you got all these listing of instruments, and I want to read it again. Praise him uh, uh, with a sounding trumpet, which is sort of a bass and raw instrument. This isn't the tuned trumpet they're talking about. This is the ram's horn that has been carved out. You want to hear what it sounded like? Sort of like this. This is that worship. That's it. One note. How about if you showed up this morning and we've got, got this instrument we want to introduce to our beautiful songs and to... But it says, praise him with the trumpet. And that's what they're talking about. Not a nice trumpet like I used to play in high school. Not a Duck Severinsen style. No Maynard Ferguson there. And that's part of worship. Really rough, kind of raw. But then it goes into more refined instruments as well. And praise him with the harp and the lyre. Could you mention two instruments that are more, uh, that's a juxtaposition that you, you can't even get better than that naming two things that are at opposite ends of the band. And then praise him with timbrel, dancing, with strings, and with a flute or pipe. 
and with symbols, not just gentle symbols, crash symbols and resounding symbols. We have crash symbol and resounding symbols on our drum set. The crash, they call it the crash, it's boom, it's one big sort of tinny sound, and there's a resounding symbol, it's bigger, and it kind of carries on a little bit longer. In fact, there's even a little tool you can put on the top of the symbol that lets it carry on even longer, kind of like pushing the pedal down on the piano, it sustains the note. It's all available for worship. And that says everyone is welcome when we're worshiping God. How does it say that? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to think not just of instruments, but think of people playing each one of those instruments. I mean, there are horn people that was used to call Israel to battle. Picture a soldier blowing that. That was used to call the people together when a new king was going to be coronated. And horn people are different than flute people, than harp people. Refined, tuned, careful, lovely, soothing. You don't use a harp to call a nation to battle. You're going to lose that battle. (laughs) It's not inspiring to go down and do what you have to do. This isn't just about instruments. This is about people. And it's as though the psalmist, knowing that there's a difference in the people that play the different instruments, and the instruments have a different purpose, the psalmist knows that. And he's not just saying, hey, flutes and harps and drums and horns, come on and worship. He's saying, flute people, bring what you got. Horn people, bring what you got. Drum people, bring what you've got. Because in worship of God, everyone is welcome. You've got instruments that the people reading this psalm would have understood that are aligned with priests. You've got different instruments that people would would have understood are aligned with Levites. And then you know that last little section of instruments. Early in the history of Israeli worship, of Jewish worship, those instruments would have not been considered refined enough to even be worthy to come into the temple and be used in worship. They were too rough. They were too base. They were too uncultured. And now those are the instruments of the common people. And so the psalmist is saying, hey, priests, come on. Levites, come on. And now all of you who were considered not cultured enough, not clean enough, not good enough, you bring the instruments you play and you bring them in to worship as well. Let everything, which means let everyone who has breath praise the Lord together. Everyone is welcome. I got to thinking about that as I think, how would that apply for us? Here's something I'm thinking about. It would be good if we began to think more carefully. Um, The fact that we invite our friends into our home doesn't mean we agree with everything our friends think. They can still come to our table and eat if they're hungry. The fact that I'm kind to somebody, the fact that we as a church say our arms are wide open, our doors are wide open, our worship is wide open. We're not pretending, are we, that everybody that comes into worship with us thinks the same things all of us think or many of us think? No, we're worshiping God. Come together. Jump on board. We'll walk on the trail with you. Let's just start where everybody is and at least let God the Father 
hear his creation say, I love you. I'm hungry for you. I'm confused by you. Whatever they're going to say. When it comes to the worship of Yahweh, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Married, single, male, female, young, old, gay, straight, divorced, not divorced. If you're coming to hunger for God and you want to express your longing for God, come on, our doors are wide open for you. We would love to sit next to you and let's worship and seek God together. Let's be careful. Let's be careful not to let our own hang-ups close doors for people when they're coming in to worship. Let's also be careful, maybe this is the greater risk, to not let our own strong and appropriate convictions close doors for people. It's like the psalmist is saying, look, man, opera, if you're an opera person, come sing opera. If you're a hip-hop person, come sing and dance hip-hop. Come break dance all over, up and down the rows. If you're a plumber, pull up your pants, bring your pipe wrench and bang it together, but you're welcome here. Because you and us, we're trying to do the same thing. Find God and express to him our thanks and appreciation. Praise the Lord. Let everything and everyone that has breath praise the Lord. It's as though the psalmist is saying the only requirement to get into the doors of public worship of Yahweh is that you're still breathing. And even then we might tow you in and do a weekend (laughs) with Bernie kind of worship experience. I don't know. But you get that? You get that, church? Are you committed to that? Everyone is welcome. Say it with me. Everyone is welcome. That's Psalm 150. Even when you're not comfortable with the dance we're doing. One of the things that encouraged me the most at Chick was a statement I heard from a Native student after this dance had been presented in the context of Christian worship. It was announced, I heard it through somebody else, they didn't say it directly to me, but this native student from Alaska said, I saw that dance, and now I know that there's a place for me and my people in this faith too. Now I know, in other words, everyone's welcome. And everyone is welcome. Now there's a second takeaway for me from... This Psalm 150. Everyone's welcome. But when it comes to Christian worship, apparently extravagance is normal. Extravagance may even be required for it to be true worship. Here's what I mean by extravagance. I mean something that's beyond common for you. Something that flows over the top of your cup. Now, cups are all different. So, For one person, extravagance might be just saying amen out loud. For another person, extravagance might be, well, dancing is over the top of my cup. I mean, dancing like crazy up and down the aisles, it might be what it takes to be over my cup. But extravagant, let me put it a different way. What the psalm is saying that your expression in response to a God who saved you, who rescued you, who loves you unconditionally, you put in your lungs the very breath you're using to sing for him, your expression of worship in response to that God ought to be somewhat different than your expression of joy in Safeway when you found the perfect head of lettuce. There ought to be some difference. Something a little bit over the top. 
And I take that from verse 4, this idea of dancing. Probably a reference to trained dancers who are disciplined. They know the certain moves. They know the beauty, the choreography in response to what God has done. And they want somehow that artistic expression in dance. But it's also a reference to people who simply spontaneously dance because they can't get over how good God has been. Students at Chick did that like this. The band will be playing. Everything's going. They don't know what to do. They just start bouncing up and down. I'm watching them. I'm getting angina just watching those guys. (laughs) Because they had to I'm going to laugh at you for a second here now, Jackie. Jackie was on her prayer team. One t- I was out on the mezzan- or the, you know, the, uh, the main walk around the, uh, the, the, where the kids were because I couldn't stand the music. It was too loud. I couldn't stand it. It hurt my ears. Now, I'd have fought you if you tried to change it because Chick wasn't for me. It was for them. So it would be the height of, um, I mean, I have a, a missional heart, so I want to do whatever it takes to help reach students. But I had to stay outside in the little circle to pray. And we sent Jackie down by the women's restroom one time because, hey, there's some people down there that might need prayer. Jackie, you want to go down and pray for them? So the music's going inside, and Jackie's walking down to the restroom. But Jackie doesn't just walk to the restroom. She's by herself going to meet these girls. And how does she get there? She's (laughs) dancing, spinning. No, no, Jackie, just walk down there. You're taking too long to get down there. Oh, this, is, uh... I mean, this is not possible for her to hear music worship and not dance. That's her cup. Extravagance usually is a negative thing. In worship, extravagance is a required thing. It's a little more exciting than the success you feel and the way you express it in a common experience in life. This is God we're talking about. And that looks different for everybody. Psalm 150. Everyone is welcome. Extravagance is normal. And on the 26th and that 50th anniversary celebration, Jeff was talking about, we're going to have Gary Walter, who's the president of our denomination, coming here to preach. He found Christ here in our church. And I've said that many times to you. Gary Walter, you will find out if you try to hug him and thank him for being here, you will find out he is not a hugger. You know, there are hugger people and there are non-hugger people. There are hugger people and there are handshake people. There are handshake people and there are wave at you people. We even joke as the ushers get together for lunch or dinner once in a while, just as a team to encourage them, we say they have, a, they have a hug door you come through and a handshake door that you come through if you want to come. And eventually people figure it out. Don't go, that's the hugging door. I'm going to the other door. That's the handshake door. If you go to hug Gary when he's here, he'll go like this. Standing at attention. He's got a hugger's heart. He just doesn't have a hugger's body. (laughs) So I'm close friends with him. I know I don't hug him. I am a hugger. Shoot, I'm a kisser. But I shake hands with Gary. But listen to me now. And when I see him on the 26th, I'll shake his hand. It's, that's his expression of warmth. Doesn't mean he's cold, but listen to me now. He has granddaughters. And if one of his granddaughters was caught up in a flash flood, and her life was at risk, and I dove into the roaring water, 
and rescued his granddaughter dripping wet like a lost puppy and pulled her out at risk of my own life and brought her dripping wet to Gary and handed him his granddaughter's life and gave her life back to him, I suspect I would get more than a handshake. I think he would hug for all he's worth. That's a situation where the response, with regard to the response that I get, extravagance. In fact, if he shook my hand, I'd be offended because extravagance is normal in that case. And we worship God who knows how to love us the way we wish we could be loved, who knows how to care for us the way we wish we could be cared for, who didn't have to, but he took on human form and gave himself to us and died for us and rose from the dead for us and then said, anybody who wants me, here I am. You can have life. Choose life. And I said, well, thank you very much, God. That was just so good of you to preach me very much. Nice job. In Christian worship, dance like crazy. Spill water over the top of your normal cup. Because we did do more than find the perfect head of lettuce. Everyone's welcome. Extravagance, as you define it for yourself, is normal. For me, the first time I was a little bit over the top, years and years ago, I thought, I think I might want to raise my hands and worship. Man, I had been raised as a Christian who never, that's what pockets are for, man. Pockets are for worship time. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I, I feel a lot of stuff inside me. I think I want to do, I, I feel something. And I remember thinking, well, raise your hand. There are people in the church that raise their hands. And no, I have no questions. I don't need to raise my hand, you know. Raise your hand and worship, I dare you. Ah, it was over the top for me. But I did it. And it was uncomfortable. But I thought, you, you, you're worthy of this yielded position for me. That was the overflow in my cup in those days. And that's normal for us. You know, I'm going to have the band come on back up. And we reserve some time for us to worship, to do a little bit of Psalm 150-ing together. But as you worship, do some more music worship here, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Keep these things in mind and ask God uh, to craft you, to dismantle you and recraft you around these two things as we seek some more. Here's the first question. Is your heart welcoming to all who are seeking God as we worship Christ together, are your doors wide open? You recognize, I'm only here because of the love and grace and mercy of God, so I can offer love and grace and mercy to somebody else. Just because we don't agree on everything, they're different than me, they, we don't have a monitor in the back. We don't take, have a litmus test in the doors as you come into worship to see you know, how spiritually mature are you and what do you believe about this and who'd you vote for and what. Man, everyone's welcome in here. And then we'll grow together from there. Is that where your heart is? Are you living in such a way that you're sending out the message, no matter what you believe, what you've been through, where you are right now, what you did on the way to worship? You are welcome here. 
Is that your heart? Because it needs to be. Here's the second thing. Second question to ask. Is the way you're worshiping God just a little bit over the top for you? I don't know if you have a big cup or a small cup, but wherever you're starting, is your expression of worship worthy of God's expression of love for you? Is it just a little bit over the top? Are you a little bit unhinged? Are you a little bit unguarded? Whatever that would mean for you. Because when it comes to worshiping God, extravagance defined like that, not only normal, it might be required. I invite you to deal with those things as we move into worship. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing and strings and pipe. The clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything, let everyone who has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.